What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And on today's show, luckily enough to be joined by the biggest Charger fan in Chargers Encyclopedia, John Kegley, one of the original members of the show. And this episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, Slam Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, seeing all of the heartbreak that that has entailed. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Well, guys, this has been a hell of a season so far. I mean, definitely a whirlwind. I know Charger fans have been kind of numb to some of this, but it still seems like you're ripping off the Band-Aid every time you have a game like the Chargers did on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a game that not many people had their hopes up for this team, but we ended up getting into a pretty wild ride there. So in the news, we're going to be talking about just the big plays and swings in this game, as well as getting into Austin Eckler's injury. He had to be helped off of the field and that really didn't look good. And we have somewhat of an update on that. And then in the second and third segments, we're going to be getting into the first and the second half of the game. I mean, there's so much to talk about there. I mean, you have the big long touchdowns by Justin Herbert. You also have all of the bad plays as well. Like, the Joshua Kelly fumble, and of course the game losing interception in this case. So we'll get into the, all of that as well and kind of just talk about the biggest plays from this one. But let's go ahead and get into it. On Sunday, the Los Angeles Chargers lost 38-31 to against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that they led by 17 points. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. The Chargers were a touchdown underdog going into this game, and it ended up being the case as the Chargers went down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-31 to on Sunday. And another game where you see a lot of flash from Justin Herbert. He was impeccable for most of this game. But as the rest of the Chargers' losses have happened this season, it came with some mistakes. And in the end, the Chargers were not able to beat the Bucs even after a 17-point first half lead and David there were so many swings in this game I mean it was really an emotional roller coaster but in the end the Chargers are doomed by their mistakes absolutely I mean it definitely didn't start out that way I mean Tom Brady gets a quick score I mean they've scored more points in the first quarter than most teams in the NFL so that's what they do that's business as usual for them but then the Chargers answer back you know very quickly and then they get up getting a first half lead getting a turnover getting scores in the red zone that all happened for the Chargers and and you look at Justin Herbert's stat line you can't help but be impressed 20 for 25 three touchdowns an interception a pass rating of 137.9 and then you get some contributions from guys you were not expecting to get contributions from a 53 yard bomb touchdown to Tyron Johnson a 72 yard touchdown to Jalen Guyton and even Donald Parham Jr., the tight end from the XFL, getting his first touchdown. And then you switch over to the defensive side, and the Chargers were lacking the turnovers. But Michael Davis picks off Tom Brady and takes it back to the house, 78 yards, 
for a pick six, and that was a huge, huge play in the game. You go into the second half, and then everything just unraveled. The defense gives up 24 second-half points. The Chargers are unable to get after Tom Brady, and the Bucks get after Justin Herbert for two sacks. It was a very bad showing by the defense in the second half, and Tom Brady overall had a phenomenal game, 369 yards and five touchdowns. It was just a roller coaster of a game, Daniel, and it did not end up in the Chargers' favor. Yeah, and the biggest momentum swing happened at the end of the first half when the Chargers look to be running the clock out. They end up fumbling on one play and setting up an easy Tampa Bay touchdown to turn it from a 17-point game to a 10-point game going into halftime. And then Justin Herber, after literally having a perfect passer rating on the day, throws a really bad interception just on a ball that totally sailed targeting Keenan Allen. But It was another game where you saw his brilliance and you also saw some of his shortcomings and the Chargers once again got in their own way and the defense didn't stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense one single time in the second half until they were kneeling the football. But that wasn't the only big loss on Sunday because early in the game, Austin Eckler exited with what looked like a hamstring injury. David, it did not look good at all on the sideline. They ended up bringing the card out for him at one point, but but couldn't get him on the card because he couldn't put any pressure on that leg at all. And now we know a little bit more and it's not good news. Yeah, it seems like no injury news for the Chargers is ever good news. It's always worst-case scenario. Hopefully it isn't going to be that bad for Austin Eckler, but per Adam Schefter... Chargers running back Austin Eckler was spotted post-game with crutches and a brace to help him with the hyperextended knee and hamstring injury he is thought to have suffered today per source. Eckler will have an MRI on Monday, but he is expected to miss multiple weeks. When we saw that play happen, you know, he, he tried to put his hand on the ground to balance himself and to get a couple extra more yards, and but that hyperextended the leg and it looked all bad, and now we know that he's going to miss some significant time. We don't know exactly the extent of the injury or how long he's going to miss, but the Chargers are sorely going to miss him. He is one of the most electric running backs, one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL, was also on pace for a 1,000-yard season if he kept up you know, the 78 yards per game that he was going at so far. And the Chargers are going to need him because they did not run the football very well in this game. They ran the ball 23 times for only 46 yards, and the loss of Austin Eckler is going to loom very, very large, Daniel. Yeah, and Justin Herbert was their leading rusher in the game, which is something this coaching staff probably does not want to see. But Austin Eckler was their most effective rusher. Two rushes for 12 yards, and he was really the only person that was doing anything, and he was out so quickly. And Justin Herbert was then without two of his top offensive weapons with Austin Eckler and also Mike Williams. But it didn't stop him from dropping a couple dimes to some guys that had never even caught an NFL pass. And the Chargers were finally able to find those big plays they were lacking. But the two turnovers really hurt. The defense was a sieve in the second half after doing pretty good against the Buccaneers in the first half. And at this point for the Chargers, it's hard to find moral victories when they lose another one-score game. And next week, they have to take on the New Orleans Saints. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have to really take a deep dive into all the biggest plays from this game because there were so many. A lot of really good plays, too. I mean, those 50-plus yard touchdown passes by Justin Her- by Justin Herbert were also a pretty fun time in this game. But first, I need to tell you guys that the only place to go if you don't want to go out but you want to order in is a DoorDash. 
Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. And continue supporting the restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash. I know from my DoorDash and my address, I get like 248 or something around that, but... DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door, and many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download that DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code Locked On, all caps, one word. Don't forget, that's promo code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. This episode is also brought to you by Roman. When you're talking about erectile dysfunction, it isn't easy. And usually we just brush it off and blame ourselves, saying something like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether and make excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and you can get started just by going to GetRoman.com XXX and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an, on- complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to Roman.com slash LockedOnNFL today, and if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. All right, Charger fans. Well, I know that it's going to be tough to go through this game, but there's just so much to get into, so many ins and outs. There was such a high, high in the first half, and then it got to such a low, low really starting at the end of the first half. But I do want to start from the beginning here because Tampa Bay did get out to a very hot start. And like David mentioned earlier in the show, that is something they've been the best at in the NFL. So that's not really any surprise while the Chargers are actually one of the worst. But on the Bucks' first drive, Mike Evans is already really getting to them two catches for 41 yards. And then Casey Hayward gets beat on a three Three-yard touchdown by Cameron Brait, one of the tight ends, getting involved early in this game. And they were pretty involved in this game. But the Chargers go down 7 nothing. But they actually answer the call on their first drive. Something I think they said that had only been done once in the last 22 games, them scoring a touchdown on their opening drive. And the other one, I'm pretty sure, was Justin Herbert against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's been something they've been better at with Herbert. But... What was surprising, John, was the way the Chargers scored because all we had really seen so far this year was the Chargers methodically converting on third downs, making their way down the field and putting up like 12 or 13 play drives. But in this case, Justin Herbert is able to find Tyron Johnson on a 53-yard touchdown. It was an absolutely beautiful throw, and we finally got to see Justin Herbert make a, a deep throw, something he hadn't really made so much this season. His best one so far had been Mike Williams that got called back with an offensive pass interference, but that was a really great throw, and it was nice to see the offense score in a hurry with Tyron Johnson, who was just brought up from the practice squad. And what a great route that Tyron Johnson ran as well. It really that, was. That guy just full speed, full sprint, long strides, just ran straight between two Buccaneers defenders and said, I'm going to outrun you, throw me the ball. 
that nothing more to it and he did it and herbert just places it on a dime right where it needs to be and you're right it was nice to finally see a deep quick strike touchdown those long drives are what the offense is made for they work great but it keeps your defense rested while also running out the other team's defense but you also need these kind of strikes to keep your team's Bojo up basically just this ability to see big plays really gets everybody else hyped up and they love it later on in this game you're going to see it, it happens for Tampa Bay and it changes everything for them so plays like this is what we need on this team too and another thing John that we actually talked about last week was just the fact that the Chargers weren't turning the ball over we talked about it every week and we said you know somebody was going to have to have to jump around we just didn't necessarily think it was going to be Michael Davis and on Tampa Bay's next drive as they're getting ready to put up points Michael Davis jumps in front of a route and there's nobody between him and the end zone and finally you see some defense turn into offense and he eyeballed that the whole way too you can see the Michael Davis is actually watching Tom Brady has his eyes on the QB he was actually paying attention on that drive to Tom Brady and it led to an interception Lots of times a corner will keep their eyes on the receiver, they're back to the QB, and every now and then a wide receiver could pull a move and that leads to a big gain because you're not paying attention, you don't even feel the wide receiver moving. But this time he kept eyes on Brady and jumped that route and it was picture perfect. And you're right, it was not, it was Michael Davis. We were not expecting, I don't think it was going to be Casey Hayward or Desmond King. And out of everybody, the person we're rough on, it was Michael Davis. Yeah, it was. And he had some other moments in this game that we'll get into. But it was nice to see two things that we'd been harping on finally happen. And then on the Tampa Bay's next drive, the defense actually did a pretty good job in the first half. I mean, besides that opening touchdown and then the one at the end of the half that we'll get into. But on Tampa Bay's third drive, they go three and out. They are derailed by a holding call. Desmond King had a nice open field tackle on that drive. He really did have a nice game. I thought he played well. One of the few Chargers defenders, I would say, in this game. But on the Chargers' second drive, since it was only their second drive because of the pick six, they go three and out, have to give it back to Tampa Bay. On the next Tampa Bay drive, the Chargers' defense holds them again to a three and out. It started with a huge run stuff on first down, then two incompletions. But, David, on the Chargers' third drive, we saw them strike again. And really, it was a huge kind of momentum shift just in the fact that this was a team that was going in and as an underdog. Now they're finding themselves up 21-7, to and it comes at the hands of Donald Parham, who ends up getting a kind of a back shoulder fade throw from Justin Herbert. It was an absolutely beautiful throw. He just bodied the defender that was on him, and after not having any career catches, he comes up with a big one for the Chargers on a drive that was boosted by a pass interference call on Tampa Bay and an unnecessary roughness call on Justin Herbert, but he also did do a nice job, Herbert, that is, of finding Josh Kelly with a nice catch and run on third and 11. And then it sets up the former XFL player, Donald Parham, for his first NFL catch and first career touchdown. Yeah, and if you were watching the game, then you heard Charles Davis say, hey, you know, if you want teaching tape on how to box out a defender, this is it right here. I mean, the six foot eight Donald Parham definitely doesn't really need to box out anybody, but he did. He mossed that guy. A beautiful throwaway to get his feet inbounds uh, for the catch, for the touchdown. I hope that we get to see that more often. That was such a great play. I mean, he's such a mismatch no matter where he is on the field. You're not going to find any defenders that are that that big or that can jump, you know, to where he can get to. I mean, he 
Justin Herbert can really throw it seven two seven three, and Donald Parham can go up and get it. I mean, that's just – it's got to be a matchup nightmare. And now that there's a rapport there, that there's a little bit of a connection there, hopefully that carries on throughout the season. Very exciting. I'm thinking that he could probably throw it about 11 feet in the air. <laughs> and Donald Parham is probably going to go up there and get it. Six foot eight, crazy wingspan. I mean, Hunter Henry isn't a traditional – red zone threat and the fact that i mean he's not overly athletic or anything like that he doesn't jump super high he's not super tall even though he's a good size but donald parham though is that mismatch in the red zone that can always help in those situations and without mike williams out he was the guy that was next up and talk about taking advantage of your opportunities that was a great one by donald parham but on tampa bay's fifth drive they end up getting a little something going and i think this led to more scores in the second half. But, I mean, Tampa Bay really just in the first half was having things go wrong for them, much like the Chargers did in the second half. They ended up missing a 44-yard field goal attempt and give the ball back to the Chargers. On the Chargers' fourth drive, they end up putting up some more points. They go eight plays, 31 yards because of the good field position. But, again, a penalty probably cost the Chargers some more points there. Potentially... Sam Tevy ends up getting a penalty. The Chargers end up getting to second and 21, and they run a drop play, of course. But they end up having to settle for a field goal, which for Mike Badgley, I mean, I have to give him credit for this one, 53 yards. He was one of four going into it on 50 yarders. He ends up nailing this one to make it 24 to 7. On Tampa Bay's next drive, they can't get anything going again. Chargers defense forces them to punt, and it was actually... Really nice because we saw the Chargers defense in a two-minute situation, basically, by the Tampa Bay offense, and they still just weren't able to get anything done. And I was like, wow, that is progress from this defense. But one play after the Chargers get it back, Justin Herbert has a sloppy handoff to Joshua Kelly, who can't handle it on the first play of the drive. It ends up being a fumble. I definitely put blame on both parties. I think it was obviously a high handoff. Justin Herbert has to do better on that one. And if you're Joshua Kelly, before you go anywhere, you better make sure that you have that ball secure. I mean, both guys should have done better. Two rookies in a play that you just really can't have at the end of the first half because it gives it right back to Tampa Bay. Of course, they score a touchdown. A 17-point lead is now 10 points going into the half. So deflating, John, such a terrible way to go into it and kill the momentum that the Chargers had, which was a momentum we weren't even really expecting. And it seems like they kind of undid a lot of that with one play. And this is my take on it. You can argue about whether or not that they should have just taken a knee. They had about a minute left. They had timeouts. They had time to go get a score. But the funny thing is how many people are on Twitter saying, you know, oh, you should have taken a knee there. When obviously Anthony Lynn has been crushed plenty of times for being too conservative on those plays and just, you know, running the ball, not even taking a knee. And then now people are saying he should have taken a knee in that situation. But this is my thing. If you're going to go for it, go for it. What are we running a play for? What, why are we doing a rushing play here? If you're going to go for it and try to gain field goal range, try to put more points up on the board, why are you not throwing in that situation, trying to get some chunk yardage and seeing what happens on that first play before you decide if you want to go into halftime or not? You go somewhere in the middle with a rushing play and then absolute disaster strikes. Well, I would say you run the ball first to see if you can pick up a decent chunk play. And if you do, then you go for it. If not, you just let the clock run. That's usually how most coaches do it. But I actually agree that most people have been harping on Lynn for saying, how come you're not going for it? Why are we kneeling the ball with 50 seconds left or 55 seconds left or even with 35 seconds left? Why are we kneeling the ball? And now the one time he doesn't kneel the ball, 
and it turns into a turnover. Now everyone's saying, oh, you should have kneeled it. Like, it, you guys are so two-faced when it comes to that. I like that they actually ran a play. Should they have actually maybe thrown a passing play? Sure. But at the same time, you're backed up at, at your own, like, six- or eight-yard line. It's okay to run the ball one play, and if you get a decent chunk play, then okay, let's maybe call a timeout or spike the ball and let's throw a deep ball and see what happens. But other than that, if nothing happens on that run play, you let the clock run, no big deal. And then when it comes to all that momentum that we had, I posted on Twitter, I said, I feel a choke coming. And the reason why is because if you look at most of the plays the Chargers were getting, most of the drives they were getting, they weren't dominating the game up and down the field. They were just making the big plays when they were needed. The pick six, the deep touchdowns, the big play to Parham. I mean, for the most part, these are just big plays. They weren't actually dominating up and down the field. We even had three and outs. It was just plays were happening for them. After a halftime of calming the players down from the Tampa Bay side, you you know this, this whole game is going to change, but that fumble just really made you go, Okay, yeah, now something's about to happen to us. We just gave them all the momentum going into halftime after getting into their head the whole first half with trash talk. Yeah, I mean, I think that they were pretty dominant offensively. Obviously, you take away one of those touchdowns because it's a pick six. But, I mean, you score 17 points in the first half, which is almost the most you've scored all season. You're doing something right. It didn't come in the methodical way because I think they learned very early on they couldn't run the ball. But I guess to me it's a game flow thing. I think everybody knew a run was coming in that situation. The Bucks say they were surprised it wasn't a kneel down. But, I mean, you knew it wasn't a kneel down once they went in out there and just that formation that they had. I would have loved a play-action pass. Something along those lines, you have Justin Herbert roll out. If there's nothing there, you tell him just to throw the ball away. If you get a chunk play there, now you're moving towards some points. So I just didn't like the way it was handled, but I do think it's funny that so many people then wanted Anthony Lynn to take a knee, and I have plenty of gripe with Anthony Lynn. But that play calling is definitely part of it. But that was just the beginning of the horrors for the Chargers, and we have much more to get into with you know the duel of the second half. Justin Herbert comes back with a big answer after Tom Brady and the Buccaneers go on a big run. And we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But again, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bars. There is no better protein bar, better tasting protein bar than Built Bars. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And you can get it in in flavors of caramel brownie, cookies and cream, coconut almond, and banana bread. I mean, all of them taste so good. And and no matter what kind of lifestyle you're trying to lead, whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you can do that while indulging in a delicious treat. It's great for the health-conscious guy and great for the keto diet as well. And right now, we have a special offer for our listeners. You guys can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get $10 off your next order as well. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, now it's time to unfortunately get into the second half of this game. This is where things really started to fall apart for the Chargers, but this is where I had an issue very early on in the second half because you always have the sideline reporters and it's what's the message to the locker room and Anthony Lynn's in this scenario was we need to go out there and finish them and that was the mantra but of course what do we see offensively the Chargers come out run run two straight running plays up the middle for no gain and it was just such a really brutal way to start it did not seem like the Chargers were coming out of the gate aggressive 
at all. And it seemed like it was going to be the Chargers kind of going back into that shell that they had. And we've seen coming out of halftime, it ends up in a sack of Justin Herbert. And what does Tampa Bay do on their first drive? David, but they go eight plays, 69 yards for a touchdown. It ends up with a 28-yard pass from Tom Brady to O.J. Howard with Kazir White in coverage. Not ideal for him to be covering a tight end that far down the field. And it looked like Rayshon Jenkins maybe should have been over the top of it. Of course, it's impossible to know exactly where anyone is supposed to be and what the exact coverage is, but you would have to hope that the plan isn't just to have Kazir White covering O.J. Howard on a streaking play with no help over the top but just like that David after the turnover right before halftime cuts it to only 10 points it takes barely any time into the third quarter when all that huge lead that you had all 17 points and now the score is 24 to 21. Yeah it evaporates right before your eyes I mean when they had that turnover right before halftime it you could just feel it I mean you felt the momentum it was it was turning. It was going to the other side. The Tampa Bay Bucks had it, and they capitalized on it. I mean, they hit O.J. Howard for a big touchdown. And, yeah, definitely Rayshon Jenkins should have been over there. Kaiser White should not be put in that position. Yes, he is a former safety, but he's bulked up. He is more of a linebacker. I actually felt Kaiser had a pretty good game. I, I liked what Kenneth Murray did as well during the game. I thought he was pretty physical and he was everywhere. But that was a really, really bad play and, and definitely was – spelling the beginning of the end and it sucks that oj howard got hurt because uh, on that play it looked like after that he had an achilles and from all the reports he might be done for the year i mean an absolutely terrible backbreaking play daniel and, and you can tell that momentum was going on their side and it didn't seem like it was going to come back no it didn't and that actually wouldn't be the only time that they targeted kazir white in coverage against a tight end in this game either they were picking out mismatches and in this case it went against Kazir White, but on the Chargers' next drive, this is where things got a little bit interesting because we got to see a really good play call on first down of the drive. They run a great screenplay that was reminiscent of the Austin Eckler screenplay. This time it was Hunter Henry with a convoy down the field for 29 yards, and that was just such a big offensive boost for this team. It was a great play call, and then you see an absolutely ridiculous catch by Keenan Allen on the sideline where Justin Herbert just rifles this ball. And when you talk about putting it somewhere where only your guy can go get it, that's what it was on the sideline. I mean, he absolutely mossed the defender. I don't know how Justin Herbert made the throw. It was a little bit of a risky throw, but I mean, I don't know if anyone was coming down with that except for Keenan, who has a beautiful toe tap on the sideline over the defender. And it should have been a first down right there, but that led to an interesting sequence because on second and one, the Chargers run it up the middle, the same as third and one. Then they decide to go on fourth and one, and they get it, but they barely get it. They run another similar play, Josh Kelly up the middle. Credit to him for getting the tough yard right there. But, I mean, not really creative play calling by any means, John. But the drive ends up totally getting derailed, derailed because the Chargers get an atrocious chop block penalty on Forrest Lamp and Justin Jackson. They would have had a first down on the 13-yard line. Instead, they get a 15-yard penalty. They end up making it second and 22, and then they run a Keenan Allen screen for one yard, and it ends up being a third and 21, and you just set it for disaster right there. And then what happens? You go out there and miss the field goal. John, to me, I didn't think that was a chop block. What happened was is Justin Jackson actually took the legs out of the defender and then Forrest Lamp touched him. Usually it's if a rusher is engaged with the offensive lineman and somebody takes his legs out. It looked like it happened in the reverse order in this case. I'm not a fan of 
you know, dirty plays or anything, but that one seemed like football to me. And then, of course, the Chargers end up missing the field goal. I think this was another huge momentum drive and a momentum swing in this game. It was definitely a momentum swing. You actually had a chance to regain the momentum on this drive because of the good play calling that you had with the screen pass to Henry. Great play call. And then that amazing throw from Herbert to Keenan. Those two right there had you starting to get Tampa Bay right back on their heels. You're starting to move the ball and getting all the momentum back. And then the penalty. The penalty just ruined it right there. All that momentum you had killed by that chop block in. It's kind of hard to say what the referees saw and what the NFL rule wants them to do it in case of a, if you have any doubt situation. Because a lot of the NFL rules nowadays are, if you have any doubt, just throw the flag. They want player safety. So it's kind of hard to tell what exactly they went with that. I mean, I agree with you. I, I saw the reverse of what the rule states. So I don't think it should have been a flag. But again, who knows what the referees saw in real time. And then... That missed field goal, after hitting a 53-yarder, you missed a field goal that was shorter. I'm not sure I understand how the logic works here, but again, I feel right there, all the momentum you just regained, you lose all over again. It was basically the second half version of the fumble. Yeah, and it just sucks because right there, I mean, you get into a position to salvage it, but to be clear, that's a drive that has to end in a touchdown right there. You have to get some of the momentum back. At that point, you could have made it 31 to 21 and you'd have felt a little bit better about it. You can keep maintaining a two score lead against an offense that is just clicking on all cylinders. Huge momentum boost for the Tampa Bay Bucks right there. Tough for Michael Badgley, who does something he's really good at hitting or does something he's not really good at hitting a 50 plus yarder and then misses one he's usually really good from between 40 and 49 so that was tough and a huge momentum killer for this team for me the penalty I mean obviously what they want to do is stop a guy from being engaged having his feet planted in the ground and then having his legs taken out from under him because that can cause all sorts of structural damage Forrest Lamp was pushing on top of the guy basically while he was in midair he was never going to do any of those things but I understand that, you know, it's all about player safety. I just disagree with the call itself. But that ended up leading, of course, after that, you give them good field position. They go down and get another touchdown and take the lead. The entire lead at this point is gone. It only takes two plays. Casey Hayward gets beat for 44 yards on the first play to Scotty Miller. I mean, he got burnt on that one. You want Nazir Adderley probably to get over there on that play and have something to say about it, but... A really brutal play. And on the next one, Tom Brady runs a play action. Kenneth Murray and Rayshon Jenkins get sucked up near the line of scrimmage. And they find Scotty Miller in a weak spot of this cover three defense behind the linebackers in front of the safeties for just an easy touchdown. At that point, the Buccaneers offense was moving through the Chargers defense like a knife through butter. And it just absolutely was crushing to now have that lead fully evaporate. But the Chargers did answer on their next drive. And it was another a long play from Justin Herbert, David. This time, it was him connecting with Jalen Guyton on third down for a 72-yard touchdown pass. An absolute dime. He was going up against a full-on blitz that he had that he knew he was going to get crushed as he releases this ball. He ends up throwing it off of his back foot. Jalen Guyton makes a great catch. He breaks a tackle, and there's nobody else. It was man-to-man coverage. He found the weakness of that defense and that blitz, and he exploited it again. No 
quarterback in the NFL this season has more than one 50-yard touchdown pass, and Justin Herbert had two in this game. Well, I think Justin Herbert just shows you his mobility in the pocket and also his awareness there on that play. He knew they were going to send the house. Todd Bowles is very you know, typical with his style of coaching defense. In those down and distances, he's going to send the house. That's just what happened. Herbert read it, made a phenomenal throw. Jalen Guyton goes, gets under it, and he breaks one little tackle, and he's off to the races, and he's gone. There's nobody anywhere near him. An incredible play, another quick stri- quick strike the Chargers desperately needed, and it was, man, that was unexpected. I was just like, wow, they did it again? That is awesome. And another contribution from a guy that was not named Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry, uh, just awesome to see Jalen Guyton thriving a little bit in this offense. After being an undrafted free agent, he's getting some opportunities, and he's certainly making the most of them, Daniel. When you understand why Anthony Lynn just wanted speed out of that third wide receiver position. I mean, those are the plays you thought you would get with a guy like Travis Benjamin, where he's just totally taking the top off the defense. And the Chargers had two players do it. One player in Jalen Guyton ran a 4-3-5. The other, Tyron Johnson, actually was faster with a 4-3-4. So a couple of speedsters there, a couple of lesser-known guys making some really big plays. But the Tampa Bay next touchdown after the Chargers go back up in this game and go up 31 to 28 was really a backbreaker just because the way that it happens on second and 20 after a Mike Evans pass interference call that goes in the Chargers favor Brady ends up finding Evans for 48 yards over Casey Hayward who actually looked like he should have picked it totally got turned around a lot of fans wanted another pass interference called on Mike Evans but that one to me just looked like Casey Hayward not being able to track the ball and make a play on it and ends up as another huge play for Tampa Bay and then that drive ends with Tampa Bay just throwing a little flat route to a running back from the nine-yard line. And Rayshon Jenkins goes in with a bad angle at a shoulder tackle, doesn't do anything. And then Michael Davis absolutely just lets a guy walk into the end zone. I mean, he had no intentions of stopping that running back coming full speed. And then you really see the full spectrum of Michael Davis. You know, he's making a pick six and he also is soft as Charmin sometimes when he needs to make a tackle. That one really hurt and that's why I don't want to take any slander about you know certain people losing the game for the Chargers when there was a lot of reasons they lost this game but the Chargers were really put up to a difficult decision on their next drive because on third down after Justin Herbert scrambles for a first time negative three he wants to slide he goes down for a loss should have thrown the ball away and then he goes for four yards to make it a reasonable third down, I guess. It's still third and long. Joshua Kelly goes airborne trying to go all out for the first down and comes up a yard short. And now is the decision. The Chargers have already gotten burnt by, you know, punting it to legendary quarterbacks. They're on their own 34-yard line. It's a tough decision right there. But it's just hard to say that, John, that the Chargers made the right decision in this case because they end up punting it back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady leads a long drive down the field, gets a field goal. But right there, what what did you think of that decision? Because obviously Anthony Lynn has gotten called out for a lot of things this week. That was definitely one of them after the defense hadn't really stopped the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or hadn't stopped them at all in the second half. Uh, This one you can go either way with. Personally, if you're asking me, there was about nine minutes left in the game and you're at your own 34. If you don't get that first down, you're basically giving them a chance to go up with a two-score lead. But I can also see the case for going for it as well. But in this kind of case, if you have nine minutes left and you want to go for it, I think that's where you would call like a fake punt or something, like a, a simple 
designed fake punt run would have probably gotten you that first down. And it's something, like, something that the other team probably doesn't see coming. I think that'd be a better call than actually bringing the offense out and going for it at that situation. If you're going to go for it, go for it on special teams. I can see a case for either side versus when you played the Chiefs and it was overtime and you were, it was obvious, like, hey, they just need one drive and they finish us off. Whereas this one, it's, okay, there's nine minutes left. If you punt the ball, your defense has a chance to stop them. If you go for it and you make it, you're still alive. But I, mean, I don't think it was do or die yet. I mean, I think it only ends up being do or die just because they end up going down and getting a field goal anyways. And I guess my argument for going for it would be, even if you don't get it, you still have a chance to hold them to a field goal, right? Takes less time off the clock, and you can still get the ball back to your offense down by seven and potentially get a long drive and put this team away with a touchdown. And that's the option they really took out of their own hands right there. Yes, it's your own side of the field, but you end up giving up a field goal either way because your white ends up getting mossed by Rob Gronkowski. I felt for him on that play. Perfect coverage. And he just got out-muscled by a future Hall of Famer. I saw a lot of people kind of ragging on him for that, but I, I think that's a big league hang with him on that one. I mean, <laughs> that it was great coverage, but the Chargers end up coming up with a big third down stop. They end up forcing a field goal. Justin Herbert gets it with plenty of time. The Chargers have a timeout. I mean, they're going to have all the chances to get down the field and score a touchdown to tie this game at this point. The win is out of the question after the punt and then the field goal. And David, we see the worst throw from Herbert all day. He throws just a total air mail aiming for Keenan Allen and it ends up in a pick that really sealed the day. And Justin Herbert with a perfect passer rating to that point had just done so much good. And it just seemed like he undid so much of that because he was almost through his first game without really a turnover, at least without an interception. And then it ends up with him seemingly losing the game for the Chargers or at least not being able to bring them back from that deficit on the last play. Yeah, I mean, that was tough, man. That was like a broken record, unfortunately, the last couple of games. You know, there was one big interception in the last two starts that Justin Herbert was out there. And unfortunately, this one comes at the just the absolutely most backbreaking time. You give the ball back to the Bucks, and you, there's pretty much nothing else you can do after that. Um, he basically said the ball sailed. He said he had Keenan, but the ball sailed on him. And I just, you know, I don't know what he was really looking at there. I don't, I didn't see that Keenan was open on that play. So that one, that one was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. And, and it, it sucks because it just, it taints a little bit what he did out there. And he had a phenomenal performance, 20 of 25, almost 300 passing yards. Again, three touchdowns. He had a great game and it just gets overshadowed a little bit by one really bad decision. Yeah, and you know, if he completes it, he's the first ever quarterback to go his first three starts as a rookie with 300 or more passing yards instead. It looks like the game's his fault, but I'm going to die on the hill of you're getting so much goodness from this. I mean, there's so much stuff on Twitter just, you know, going up at Justin Herbert and stuff. It's like, it's what are, what are the expectations? You know what I mean? No Mike Williams, no Austin Eckler. This guy literally almost single-handedly brought you back when your defense couldn't stop anything and then he still is taking he obviously it's a bad interception you can't bring them back on the game tying drive but there was plenty of mistakes this coaching staff has plenty to answer for in this game the defense has plenty to answer for did not not allow a score by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the second half until they were kneeling the football so 
the injuries are definitely adding up, but that's not going to make any Chargers fans feel better about this game. It's another one that slips away. This time a 17-point blown lead is absolutely brutal, and that is something we'll get into tomorrow. But I'm still fully aboard the Justin Herbert train. Now the big decision comes this week if Anthony Lynn will really pull the plug on this exciting young player and put Tyrod Taylor back in there because Tyrod Taylor is 1-0. and But we'll have more for you guys tomorrow because we'll be back here with what went right and what went wrong on tomorrow's show with our expert John Kegley on all things that went wrong. I'm sure he's going to have a field day with this one. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. If you guys want to get your voice on the show and give us your reaction, we have a ton of reactions already. We have some of the usuals like Joe from Jersey giving us his game recap instant reaction. And we also have Craig and some other of the usuals to get into on Wednesday's show. But if you guys want to get on the next one, you guys can also try to call. But there might still be some room. So if you want to call in, the number is 323-524-7924 for the Locked on Chargers voicemail line, which we'll be getting to on Wednesday. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow with what went right and what went wrong. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.